listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The centering text for today is from the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. Last month, my husband and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. And because we believe in living large, we celebrated by checking a movie out from the library. (laughs) I know it's extravagant, but our love is worth it. And it was like a Tuesday, so... I did at least pick a love story. We watched the movie Cyrano, starring Peter Dinklage. The film is based on a French play that was written in 1897 called Cyrano de Bergiac. It's the story of a gifted poet who fears that his ugliness is going to prevent him from ever winning the heart of the woman that he loves. The woman, Roxanne, is in love with Cyrano's poetry, but she doesn't know that he's the author until the end of the story. There's this dramatic scene in the movie when Roxanne finally figures out that Cyrano is the one who has loved her all along. And they stare lovingly into each other's eyes, ready for their happily ever after, and then Cyrano dies in Roxanne's arms. When that happened, I looked at Randy and I said, that better not be the end. Just as the words, the end, came across the screen. I was so mad. It was a terrible ending. We had spent 123 minutes waiting for Cyrano and Roxanne to figure it out, waiting for them to let go of the the world's expectations and their fears and all of their insecurities, and when they finally do, he dies. It was the worst ending ever, and consequently, I am no longer allowed to decide what we do on our anniversary. (laughs) While I'm still annoyed about the movie, I do have a little bit of sympathy for the playwright. Because it's hard to write a good ending. It's hard to to tie up all those loose ends in a satisfying way and put a bow on top of a story. I think the end of a story is probably the hardest part to write. And it's also the hardest part to live. 
I mean, how often are we longing for a better story? I mean, a better ending to a story, whether it's a movie or a book. Maybe we're longing for a better ending to the uh, relationship that, that just ended or to a job that we finished or to a last chapter of our lives. Maybe we're longing for a better ending for our loved ones and for ourselves. Throughout the season of Lent at Abiding Hope, we've been focusing on the Lord's Prayer. Every week we've looked at a different line of this prayer. Uh, Week by week we've gone through this prayer that's such an important part of the Christian tradition. And today we have finally come to the end. The last line, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. Ironically, this ending isn't originally the end of the prayer. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray in the Gospel of Luke, the prayer that he taught them simply ended with, do not bring us into the time of trial. And in the Gospel of Matthew, when he's teaching the disciples how to pray, the prayer ends with, rescue us from the evil one. Those are the things that Pastor Doug preached about last week. But someone, somewhere along the way, decided that this prayer needed a better ending. So by the end of the second century, it had one. One that tied up all the loose ends and put a nice little bow on top of the prayer. The original ending to the edited version said, For yours is the power and the glory into the ages. Amen. Can you imagine the audacity of the person who decided that they needed to fix Jesus' prayer? This feels a little bit like mansplaining to me, except it's a man that decides that he has to teach God how to pray better. Actually, Jesus you're going to want to end the prayer like this. It wouldn't be the first time, though, that people were disappointed with Jesus' endings. If we're honest, Jesus' life ended in a disappointing way. Right up until the end, it had been going so well. Jesus had been teaching and preaching thousands of people. He had been feeding people. He had been healing people. He had been casting out demons. He had even raised people from the dead. It was going so well. There was so much promise, so much hope for what the future was going to hold until he was arrested and executed in the most brutal and humiliating way possible. And then it was over. Done. Finished. The end. Everyone who loved him had to have been so disappointed. Everyone who followed him, everyone who believed in him, I bet they were disappointed in themselves, the system, and they were probably disappointed in Jesus too because they had wanted a better ending. They had wanted a revolution or at least a revolt, something better than a crucifixion. What they didn't understand though is that God was still writing that story and that God would work out a better ending than they could ever imagine. Because after three difficult and grief-filled days, a small group of women went to the tomb early in the morning. And they found that the end wasn't actually the end. Jesus had been raised from the dead, proving once and for all that life and love really do win. Disappointment isn't the end of our story. Humiliation and pain are not the end of our story. Sin and death are not the end of the story. Because God writes our story. And God writes better endings than we could ever imagine for any story. Our centering text today comes from a part of the Gospel of John called the Farewell Discourse. 
This is an ending of a story in and of itself. Jesus is with his disciples at the Last Supper, and he knows that he's not going to be with them much longer, so he gives them a new commandment. He says, love one another as I have loved you. See, Jesus knows that only love will triumph in the end. And he wants his disciples, like all of his disciples, to walk right past the pain, right past the disappointment, right past death into new life that is lived in love. In their quest for a better ending, the early editors of the Lord's Prayer gave us these words. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Now that's not bad as far as endings go, but my favorite part is the very, very end. The last word, amen. This word means let it be so. It means this is true or I agree. It's a word of consent. It is the aligning of our heart, our minds, our very selves with the intention of the prayer. When we say amen to this prayer, we are saying yes to an intimate relationship with God. We are saying yes to heaven on earth. We are saying yes to trusting that God will provide for all that we need. We're saying yes to making it through the hard times and yes to forgiveness for ourselves and for others. We're saying yes to the path that leads to life and yes to the love that conquers all things, even death. If you are feeling disappointed or discouraged, if you've been frustrated by some lousy endings, don't give up. I've seen what God can do with stories that seem to be over but are not. I've seen the kind of endings that love can write, and they're better endings than we could ever imagine. So thanks be to God. Amen. The end. <laughs>